0: Welcome to Success Strategies for Dental Practice Owners, the podcast for dentists who are ready to take their practice to new heights. Join your host, Stan Kinder, who has worked with the profession over four decades and now represents practice owners interested in exploring a relationship with a DSO. On the show, he explores ways to grow your income and increase the value of your practice. Expect thoughtful conversations with influential guests who are pioneers in the dental industry. From insightful dental consultants to To brilliant marketing experts. From accomplished dental practice owners to innovative dental manufacturers, this podcast will bring you a diverse range of perspectives. Success Strategies for Dental Practice Owners is here to equip you with the tools and information you need to thrive. Your practice's future begins right here. And now, here's your host, Stan Kinder.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the uh, Success Strategies for Dental Practice Owners podcast. I'm very pleased today uh, to introduce Eric Paston, today's guest. Eric has held senior executive positions in the DSO world with a variety of responsibilities and most recently is the director of management consulting for SkyTail, which is a combination boutique investment bank and management consulting firm. And given Eric's background and experience, I think he's uh, in an ideal position to uh, provide some value today. Eric, my goal in these podcasts are really to expose the listening audience to uh, sort of subject matter experts, thought leaders that will uh, be able to provide some information or content that will help practice owners be successful in their own world. Kind of a, a good starting place in the conversation, I think, would be maybe for you to just introduce yourself, describe what your journey in dentistry has been, and maybe talk a little bit about uh SkyTail.
2: Sure, that sounds good. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate the uh introduction and uh you know, happy to be here and and uh talk a little bit about these important concepts as it applies to the dental industry. Myself, um I started in the industry over 20 years ago. I had the opportunity to invest and start a dental office, really, with a friend of mine who was a dentist, and we bought an office. I live in Boston. SkyTail is based out of Dallas, but I'm sitting here in Boston, Massachusetts today, where we started our DSO. Uh, We bought the first office. I spent about two years just trying to figure out what it takes to be successful in running a a dental office at that time, you know, really understand the systems and really the financials behind a successful dental practice. Not having gone to dental school, you know, I left the dentistry up to the doctors, but really wanted to understand what type of fundamentals beyond just being surrounding yourself with good people uh, were really necessary in creating a successful business. So like I said I spent about 2 years and I literally sat at the front desk for the first you know period of time understanding uh scheduling appointments uh understanding kind of how to interact with patients and what truly made them happy when they were leaving the dental office. You know, over time, I replaced myself with smarter people every step of the way uh, that had some experience and backgrounds and had, you know, had could probably teach me a thing or two, but ultimately got to the point where we felt with pretty good level of confidence that we could start growing. And that's what we did. We ended up growing to 45 practices over the next call it 12, 13 years. Uh, We ended up being in Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, New Jersey, and New Hampshire. Uh, We sold it about five years ago to a private equity group, had the opportunity to work with them for uh, for about two years. And really what I wanted to do is go back to school and literally and get my MBA from people that had been there and done it before and had built an organization of 250 dental offices. And that's who came in and, and ended up buying our platform. And so I I really had an opportunity to somewhat sit back and understand how private equity looked at growing and scaling a business from 45 practices to what they felt we're going to be 250 offices. So, you know, I kind of put my head down and learned for two years uh, while being with inside my business. And then ultimately after that period of time, I think I felt like, I wanted to go out and be somewhat entrepreneurial again, or at least grow and scale. I think they considered me an overpaid employee at that point. And so uh, there was somewhat of a mutual decision to part ways. And, you know, my next step was going out and finding an opportunity for myself to do something again, entrepreneurial and being involved with growing and scaling businesses. And that's how I found my way to SkyTail. I've been with SkyTail for a little over three years now, and not only has SkyTail grown, but provided me with the opportunity to do some consulting with people similar uh, or on a similar path to myself. We really start with our clients of of having the end in mind. Uh, That's what we always say is, where do you want to eventually get to and let us build the pathway there? and then measure performance along the way. And so from a consulting angle, that's what we do. We partner with entrepreneurial business owners, DSOs, um, that are looking to grow and scale their business and ultimately transact or whatever kind of final phase they want to get to, whether it's passing it on uh, to employees, partner doctors, or, or transacting. And it's a fun way for me to still feel involved in growing and scaling businesses I get to work from a vantage point in seeing a lot of businesses and what's successful to in today's marketplace, obviously a lot more competition, you know, margins are a bit thinner these days. And so really concentrating from that financial lens of looking to see what those drivers are for success and really marrying the KPIs and the financial, the the, uh, the P&L, and really transferring those to how they're directly affected by Operational activities in a KPI type of dashboard. And so that's in a nutshell what we do on the consulting side. And a few years ago, we added an MA piece on it as well of who better to, to really help you sell your business, other than the, the team that you've been working with for the past three to five years who understands your business, who can help you tell the story, who can create uh, you know, a sim that really represents your business. And the strength of it. And oh, by the way, every question that we get from the other side, we know the answer for because we've been strategically helping the business grow. And so we like to think that you know through that diligence process, we're able to uh, really walk hand in hand with our clients uh, and experience hopefully the best day of their life or one of the best days of their life in selling their company.
1: That's great. I Obviously, uh, based on what you described, you clearly came up through the the trenches and uh, learned the business sort of at the uh, ground level for sure. Tell me a little bit about sort of what's the ideal target profile of a client for you either on the management consulting side or the investment banking side?
2: So I think from a client perspective, it's really anyone that's growing and scaling within the dental and and actually Skytail, we're also in the aesthetics marketplace too. So Uh, We primarily focus on dental and metastatic businesses, plastic surgeons, uh, med spas, those types of uh, retail healthcare is is the space that we work in. So we've been project-based and helping some of our clients really conceptualize and plan and raise money for a newly formed DSO or MSO. Or we can come in when they've already had three to five offices and they're looking to really grow and scale and hit that next level. We've worked with upwards of of seventy five office DSOs on special projects as well. So you know we go to a lot of the trade shows within you know within the kind of dental landscape. Uh, and I always say when people come over and talk to us, unfortunately we don't have anything that pops out of a box uh, that or we can plug in and all of a sudden Skytail is there for you. We're truly a, a firm that wants to be looked at as a partner for our clients, and so we're a customized. Uh, service where we can really drop in and do whatever you need to feel comfortable growing and scaling your business.
1: Sure. So it it sounds to me like the sweet spot for you is what I think is often described in the industry as sort of a small to emerging group, you know, folks that have achieved uh, a multiple practice business and are really looking to kind of scale it upwards. Is that accurate? Absolutely.
2: I mean, I think that's the key, and you hit it on the head. Is that we fit well with organizations that are looking to grow and
1: scale? Sure. If you will, maybe talk about you know one or two signature successes that uh, that you've had, and maybe both on the sort of management consulting side, uh, you know how you've helped somebody grow and sort of get to that goal outcome that that uh, they're seeking and then also maybe on the investment banking side where you've you've helped somebody uh achieve a, a liquidity event transaction uh either an affiliation with a dso or directly with private equity
2: sure you know i think on the management consulting side there are a lot of wins that we've had over the years you know one specifically that comes to mind we had a client who was really struggling with identifying where some of the I'll call them choke points were in their financials you know they wanted to grow and scale but they couldn't quite put their thumb on why they weren't and they were they had acquired new offices and they just weren't seeing the growth that they had thought they would have seen and they didn't know why And so they reached out to us and they said, we're in this process, we're kind of halfway down our pathway, and we've reached a a point where we want to go a certain direction and we just haven't been able to push through. And so we came in and what we did is we really took a deep dive into uh, their financials and their operational KPIs. And what we realized was they didn't have the systems in place that really supported Uh, the growth that they had just seen. And so they had seen a lot of success. And, you know, I tell the stories to my clients all the time is that, you know, the real, when the rubber hits the road is when you stop being able to go into uh, your office and put your hand on someone's shoulder. You know, when you don't have that direct contact and you start scaling to a point where your system's and your vision statements for your company and your culture ultimately need to dictate success, that's when you're going to figure out and really pressure test what you have as an organization. And so we came in and we really helped them rebuild their systems. We had them create SOPs, we had them create job descriptions, we created a culture of accountability. So it was, you know, our people need to understand what their job entails. They need to understand what the expectations are on them. And then they need to understand how we're going to measure success. When we put all those three pieces in place and we can start to interact with them in a way that, that is just purely looking at success on a data basis and a culture perspective, then we can have real conversations that are going to drive towards that success and truly align everyone's interests in. A way that our success and their success is going to be the same. And so uh, this company, once it was a, a decent sized lift, there was some turnover in the process on the office level. But once we got those systems in place, you know you could see the shoulders of everyone on the call and in the meetings really relax because they finally understood what was expected of them, and they could measure it, and ultimately, we put in a bonus system and various other uh, reward-based Concepts so that they understood that as a collective whole, when we did well, everyone was going to reap the benefits of it, and they were able to, you know, recoup all of their investment, and then because you know their their EBITDA went up by, I wish I had the the data in front of me, but it went up considerably, and they were able to make future acquisitions, and I think they're back on track for success.
1: That's great. That's great. You know, it's interesting what you describe resonates very much with my own experience. I've been working with the profession for uh, 40 plus years now in a variety of different capacities. I've owned practices indirectly in partnership with dentists. I've done a management consulting. I've been in senior executive roles with several DSOs. And one of the things that I observed over time is, you know, a lot of guys who sort of start traveling down the multi-office path, get, you know, typically what I I saw was that at three offices, things begin to break down. You know, it sort of, at that point, it starts to exceed their ability to personally direct control what goes on. And they're often challenged or perplexed about what kinds of things they need to do to take it to the next level. To some degree, you answered my next question in what you described, but if you can, tell me a little bit about, in your mind, what are the key characteristics of a practice that commands a favorable valuation at time of transition, whether it's in a transaction with a DSO or in a sale, a traditional sale to another dentist or dentist's?
2: I think, and kind of going back to your prior question when you were asking for an example of of M&A as well, there are a lot of unsolicited offers uh, that are taking place in the market today. And I will say full disclosure, I work and have always worked on the consulting side, and we have a completely separate team that handles the M&A transactions, but I've been around them enough. Uh, to understand a lot of the marketplace today and obviously experienced it on the sales side. So, you know, what I will say is that there are a lot of unsolicited offers that are going on out there today. You know, some of them don't fully represent value for offices. And so I think some of the biggest successes have been when we can really sit down and help clients evaluate offers they already have, or bring them to market to create, number one, a competitive environment to truly understand where the market should be, but also help them navigate a lot of the the questions that are going to be posed by uh, potential buyers and acquirers, you know, there's a significant amount of diligence that needs to be done. There's quality of earnings. Uh, You know, there are various other aspects to the deal that a lot of, a lot of business owners simply don't understand. I didn't understand it when, you know, when we hired investment bankers on our side. And I'm incredibly thankful that we did because, you know, I think nine times out of 10, that unsolicited offer is going to be below what you could probably get in more of a competitive, represented type of environment. And so, you know, that's what I'll say is the biggest piece of it. You know, I think if you are going at this and you're a business owner and you're considering a transaction, it is to make sure that you do have a really firm understanding of your financials, they're going to look at a trailing 12 months of performance of your practices, typically how they get to their valuation. So you need to understand what's in it, you know, what addbacks could potentially be there, uh, what issues you had in those trailing 12 months or prior to that, that you need to be conscious and aware of that might affect your valuation you know, and also make sure that you have the right team that's going to be profitable and that your business is designed to last for the next 15 or 20 years. So, you know, what we see is that a lot of clients a lot of business owners out there tend to kind of take their foot off the gas pedal when they're getting closer to that time of transaction so to understand that you really have to be sprinting across that finish line and be prepared you know to potentially work for another 3 to 5 years after that time frame most of the buyers are looking for uh, you know, as little interruption to business as possible. So for those individuals, those sellers that want to just walk away, you're probably going to lose some value there unless you find the absolute perfect buyer.
1: Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I tell uh, Dennis uh, that I interact with that are seeking a transaction. It's always better to have somebody standing shoulder to shoulder with you that sort of understands the market and the process and can help you get an appropriate value and ideally bring more than one buyer to the table because uh you know it's almost universally always true that uh, you know when buyers know that there are other folks uh competing for the business the pencils tend to get sharpened a little bit more and the numbers uh, end up being more favorable definitely you know I, uh, 2023 was kind of a tough year for the private equity community, broadly speaking, based on increases in the cost of capital. And, uh, you know, I think to some degree, some of that spilled over into the DSO space in a couple of ways. I've seen a lot of the smaller to mid sized DSOs kind of hitting the pause button or you know restructuring uh, their standard uh, uh deal structures to kind of further mitigate uh their their capital risks i'm uh, interested what uh what your own observations have been in that regard
2: yeah you know i think that there's been such an increased scrutiny on same store sales you know whereas a few years ago it was about EBITDA aggregation, right? It was how much can we kind of put together and just simply play the arbitrage game of being worth more or an extra multiple just simply by being larger. I think a lot of toes were stubbed uh, when it came to integrations at that point. So operations were interrupted and there was this next level of understanding of what it really takes to be successful at that larger uh, size, let's call it, and so you know, I think that the marketplace has become smarter with regard to what it takes to be successful. As you start to aggregate these businesses, you know, from a technology standpoint, from an RCM standpoint, from an operation standpoint, things that weren't specifically being diligenced or not diligenced as critically before are now becoming central and main focuses of. M&A in today's environment. And so I almost feel like the extra cost of money has had somewhat of a positive effect in the sense that it's requiring more understanding of these deals. So the better your business is, and that's where kind of the SkyTail approach of let's make sure your operations are sound really makes you a shinier diamond in the marketplace because there are so many businesses that are going to transact. And if you can stand out as it comes to understanding same-store growth, future potential under the platform you currently have, good technology, good integrations, really positive and strong systems, you are going to be able to, uh, yeah, probably leapfrog a lot of the other organizations that are out there that are looking or, or, or fighting over those same dollars for that transaction. So hopefully you can stand up and not get Uh, you know, rolled back from an EBITDA standpoint or a multiple standpoint, because, you know, you do have all of that in place. But as you said, I think the industry as a whole has felt a slowdown uh, and increased scrutiny. And and it's interesting because um, being in multiple spaces, it's had a different effect in, let's say, the aesthetic side than it's had in the dental side. So we have a lot of clients now that are in the dental space that are looking for opportunities to create more revenue. And they're starting to see possibilities in the aesthetics medicine. So bringing in uh, some of those aesthetic uh, concepts into the dental practices. And we've seen that be, uh, you know, successful recently as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I also, uh, I think one of the things that seller is important for sellers to consider is, the vast majority of DSOs typically will give, you know, some portion of rollover equity as part of their uh, consideration. And it's either a joint venture interest in their own practice or uh, an equity interest in the uh, the parent uh, hold co- uh, holding company. And so from my point of view, it's in environments like the current one, it's more important to really have sellers do due diligence on the buyers and ensure that they're they're uh, partnering with somebody that's got a strong balance sheet and a quality organization and is going to be able to perform at a level that's going to really drive uh, value growth uh, in that equity component.
2: Yeah, I 100% agree with that statement. I know that we always are really stressing to our clients to do equal diligence on the partner that they're considering or partners that they're considering so that they can understand what life is going to feel like working with them. Uh, Because like like we discussed earlier, there's probably going to be three to five year employment contract in place. So to your point, that is very important to understand who you're going to be working with in the future. And the, you know, we like to call it what the second bite of the apple might look like, you know, a few years down the line as well.
1: Yep. Couldn't agree more. Um the dentist that I work with, uh, I always advise them, I said, look, you need to understand that this isn't just a sale, it's really a marriage. And you're going to be working with these folks for some years to come, whatever that employment term is. And so you want to make sure that it's going to be a relationship that that will wear well over time. I, pursuing a practice transition at the most fundamental value is, is really about maximizing uh, practice performance and cash flow or EBITDA in a relationship with the DSO. Talk to me a little bit about what your perspective is on sort of planning horizon, you know, how long in advance of a potential transaction should a practice owner be thinking about it? And what kinds of things should they be doing? You know, let's assume today versus maybe they're thinking about doing this three, four or five years in the future. What kinds of things should they be addressing themselves to today? You know, I think from a Skytail
2: perspective, kind of as I alluded to before, we want to start with the end in mind. And so ultimately, you know, I think you should always be thinking about a transaction. And I only say that because it's the building a perfect business is what ultimately you want to do when you transact. So you should always be considering how you can make your business better, how you can make it stronger, the decisions that you make, um, you know, should be dictated by what is this going to mean from a success standpoint. You know we always try to steer our clients away or, or even in conversations about you know really trying to make decisions in a short term that 's solely based on a transaction because if you 're spending. Money on something and a transaction doesn't happen, and it's going to affect your cash flow or your profitability in a negative way. Then that's probably not the best decision for your organization. So, you know, I, I think you should always be looking at your business from a critical perspective of what can we do to be better, or at least putting your budgets in place. And that's something that we're we're very diligent about. What we help our clients do is is We should have a budget built for the next two to three years and understand the direction of each of our offices, what's going to be necessary in order to hit that that level of profitability or EBITDA that we want to get to. And then let's do a postmortem from a look back perspective of why we did or why we didn't so that our teams can be aware of the why behind it. And a lot of times it comes down to those variable costs within uh, within our practices of, you know, are we overspending in certain areas? Are our costs of goods too high? Are our, employment, our employee expenses too high? How can we do a better job with our procedure mix? What can we look to to optimize each of our offices? And our management company, is it truly providing the support that we need? And so I think if those concepts are being addressed on a regular basis, then you should already be doing what you should be doing for a sale now, you know within that that twelve month time period building up to the sale, there are probably some things that we shouldn't necessarily do. You know, Should we be going out there and doing m and a six months you know to a sale? maybe not, you know, so there are some things that I think we we might talk to them about about what may what's the best strategy when we're close to that time horizon or within that 12 month period to what we think a transaction is going to be. So I think it's really about getting into uh, and understanding everything in that process. So that experience of the transaction, we can be educated and communicate with our teams in a way that's going to lead to a positive experience through that transaction.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Again, couldn't agree more. That all resonates with my uh, my own thinking for sure. The dentists that I interact with, I always tell them that while it might not be something you're thinking about or tangibly planning for today, the reality is no dentist lives forever, and there comes a time when they're going to uh, look to sell their equity in their in their practice, and so it's. It's always helpful to be thoughtful and deliberate about that. And as you say, spend the time, effort, and energy to make the, the practice the best it can possibly be under whatever circumstances uh, you're you're operating. So I agree 100%. We're approaching the end here. I have a couple of final questions. You know, historically, I always advise dentists who are in the, approaching a transaction that it's fairly important in my mind that they engage legal representation that's really experienced in in these matters. You know, somebody that can amply demonstrate sort of a been there and done that kind of thing. This is not the time to kind of, you know, use your neighbor or your brother-in-law who's a real (laughs) estate attorney because he's going to give you a deal. You know, there's there's more harm. I'm uh, curious what your perspective on that is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think
2: that goes for all of the third party representatives that you know a, a DSO owner is bringing on board accountants lawyers like you said you know all of them should be professionals that have experience can deliver a product that is appropriate and helpful we've seen a lot of lawyers really slow down processes and almost ruin deals and we've seen accountants that don't necessarily understand the DSO business and how to properly allocate so i think It's all about creating a team that surrounds you, that makes you better. You know, we as SkyTail, our consultancy, uh, you know, we have a a list of, Uh, third party vendors that we've worked with before that we've had a lot of success with the way that we typically do it is that we'll introduce our clients to three or four options and let them choose the one that they feel is the most appropriate or fits their organization best. You know, it's not a one size fits all probably the lawyer that you hire. If you have four offices that you're looking to sell and the lawyer that you hire that you have 75 offices are probably two different people or two different firms theoretically. And so we want to make sure that you are getting everything you need in order to make it a successful, you know, just relationship outside of the transaction itself, but uh, certainly hire professionals that have experience that you can trust and really let them uh, guide you in the right direction throughout that whole experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, very sage advice. I'm going to ask you two uh, uh, final questions, Eric. Uh, They'll be fairly quick ones. The first one is, you know, given all the success that you've had over the years, sort of what are the pain points that you you continue to be challenged by uh, in today's world?
2: You know, I think the shrinking margins are always something that's difficult. You know, higher employee costs, higher cost of goods, less reimbursement, more competition. You know, I think our organizations are just getting squeezed. And so it's really about making sure that you pay really close attention to your P&L and you understand it inside and out so that you can know where your dollars are being spent, how it's being spent, what your revenue is coming in, and what the revenue is that you need to support the business that you've set up. I mean, I think everyone's out there saying we want to be at the top of, you know, of the pay scale for our team. We want to reward them for working hard. And so it's about, again, setting up those expectations from a performance standpoint and really entrusting them with the understanding of what profitability really means. So many offices singularly focus on revenue. How much revenue do we have coming in? And don't entrust their teams to understand it's about profitability at the end of the day. In order to, to be a successful business, you know, we need to make sure that we're adhering to budgets, that that we're not, you know, working overtime, that we'd love to pay you this, but then we need to do that. And so I think it's really, you know, setting up a system so that your team can understand what success looks like. And I think a lot of that comes down to trust, you know, build a supporting team that you can trust, that you can give the responsibility to be successful to so that you can concentrate on growing and scaling. You know, it's, it's a difficult environment. I, you know, I won't lie, you know, hygienists are getting paid more than they ever have. Um, (laughs) Yeah. If you can find them exactly. And so it's about how do we create uh, profitability within our organization? And, you know, I think at the end of the day, from a SkyTail perspective, that's what we're here to do is, is, is help our clients understand, uh, you know where those opportunities are and budget towards them, and really drill down to you know the trees in the forest and not be overwhelmed by you know kind of those larger numbers you know set it up so that you can be successful on a monthly basis, and you should be okay
1: right right and I think it's uh you know I always tell folks that over many many years. I literally uh, have evaluated or been involved with hundreds of practices. Invariably, those that perform at the highest level, in my experience, typically have a relationship with some sort of coach, consultant, mentor outside the practice that you know is able to evaluate things and provide perspective that's different from what the practice owner, him or herself uh, has, you know, caught up in the whirlwind of the day-to-day operation of the business.
2: Yeah. I mean, I agree. Um, You know, I'm a consultant. So of course I agree, but I think that, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's really helpful to be able to have a plan. You know, I always say if I had SkyTail when I was growing and scaling my business, I would have made better decisions. And and I think one of the critical pieces is it's okay to fail, but we need to recognize that failure fast and correct it because the longer that goes on, the more expensive it's going to be. So I think uh, people say a lot of times, you know, make sure that you fail fast. And I think when it comes down to it, if you're measuring your business in the right way, you'll be able to see it faster and make a better decision going forward. Uh, And and so I think to your point, you know, sometimes when you're inside of a business, it's hard to evaluate it from a critical perspective because you, you know, it's, And I I had, you know, some of the offices were my babies. Um, And that's really the way that I looked at it. And so when you can step back and evaluate it from a critical eye or have an outside person really helping you look at it, I think it can be transformative for your business.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I I tell folks uh, all the time that there, there are, you know, working with somebody that has a proven model can really shorten that learning curve and performance curve in ways that uh, can really sort of exponentially accelerate uh, your ability to, to achieve your goals. So I I agree with that perspective 100%. Eric, my final question is, one, I want to just make a statement first. You've provided a ton of great perspective and content, and uh, I really and truly appreciate that. Uh, you uh, being generous with your time and uh, sharing everything that you that you have shared today. The last question really is, if someone wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to do that?
2: Sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you having me on. I didn't go all the way far back, but my first job was a teacher in Costa Rica. And so I couldn't hack it as a teacher. So I think that's why I got into dental. But I still love, you know, sharing the experiences that I have. And that's why I love my job so much and, and appreciate opportunities to coming on to podcasts like this. And uh, if anyone wants to reach out, uh, we are uh, skytalegroup.com online. Uh, You can reach me at eric.pastin at skytalegroup.com is my email or reach out through the website, whatever's easier. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn. You know, I, I think these days, you know, there's so many ways to to connect with people. Uh, it's great. So I would welcome anyone that has any questions or thoughts. Uh, you know, I'm always happy to have a good conversation.
1: Great, um, I appreciate your willingness to do that. And also, just a point of clarification: it's Skytail, Sky T A L E, as opposed to T I T A I L.
2: Correct, and it's Skytailgroup.com.
1: Gotcha. Uh, Eric, uh, thanks so much. Um, I work with a third-party firm to uh, do the production work on these podcasts, and so as soon as they get the uh, post-production uh, stuff completed, I'll make sure to get you a uh, a link to the uh, to the podcast. Perfect. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, have a good one. It's good to meet you. Bye. Same here.
0: This has been Success Strategies for Dental Practice Owners. We hope you gain gained valuable insights and practical wisdom that will guide you on your journey to success with your practice. To visit Stan Kinder on the web, go to www.everythingdso.com. If you found today's episode helpful, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an opportunity to hear brilliant insights from dental industry insiders. Remember, whether you're planning your next strategic move, seeking ways to enhance your practice's value, or dreaming of expanding your dental empire, we're here to guide you on your way to success.